Glad you came to church today. You feeling good? Not just a few of you? And it was a hard, it was a hard night last night. Baylor put one on UT. Apologize for that. Apologize. Um, and uh, Austin FC lost. Oh, it was a it was a hard night, man. It was a hard night for Austin, Texas. Um, but today is a it's a great day to be in Austin. Can I get an amen? amen. Friend, um, God's got something cool in store for us today, and uh, it, we're we're just going to be obedient to what He's saying and kind of just enjoy the ride together. Uh, but that being said, we have some special guests in the building. Uh, Drew Stebbin and Carl Gully, two of our board of advisor members, are here, sitting up right here. Um, you're actually going to hear uh, from them in just uh, a little bit. Uh, but before we kind of jump into what we have, what we feel like God has for us today, uh, I, we actually want to introduce you to our elders because um, here's the thing. I've been doing church for a little over 18 years, uh, been a part of planting two churches, was a part of um, helping to establish a third and then worked at a couple of different churches along the way, all within the Antioch movement. And I will say that for our church being as young as it is, we're only six years old, uh, God has blessed us. He has blessed us with incredible elders, oversight that is just amazing. And truthfully, having been involved in church, it's not just cool, it's a miracle. To have the leaders and the oversight that we have is an absolute miracle and a gift, and uh, we want to bring them up so that you can meet them. So elders, come on up here, Chris and Christy, Krishna and Shankari. Y'all can clap for them. They're not going to hurt you. Greg and Carolyn, my beautiful wife, Liz. Uh, this is our, our amazing team, and uh, they, they want to, I think Greg... Has prepared a statement. <laughs> oh, dude, and you and you have made it big print. All right, I, I see know, you. No, Chris, Chris, no, Chris knows. Chris knows I need his big print. <laughs> um, guys, I'm going to read a letter for us, and I'm excited and thankful and grateful to you that I could read it. But um, lovely to see everybody. It's quite bright. I don't know how your band does it. Um, but in 2005, J.D. and Liz planted Mosaic Community Church in Washington, in Seattle. And in 18 years since J.D. has been lead pastor in Seattle, a full-time staff pastor in San Diego, and at Antioch Waco, and founded Antioch Austin. And during that time, he has given everything to seeing the church come alive in whatever role and city he has been in. Over the past 18 years, J.D. has sought to live a life of humility, sacrifice, generosity, and faith. He has not sought fame or fortune, yet rather to hear from Father God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In October 2016, the Griffiths, Griffins planted Antioch Austin with the prayer that God would build a church that lasts 100 years in the city of Austin and is multiplied out to the nations. Since then, this has been a guiding prayer and bedrock foundation for how plans and decisions are made. So with the vision of obedience to Scripture and longevity and the health in mind, J.D. is taking his first meaningful break and sabbatical of his near two-decade service as a pastor. In accordance with the Antioch Movement's best practices and Antioch Austin's policy with elders, 
um, have endorsed that JD take six months off starting in March the 6th to pursue rest and the nearness of God in his own life. It is with joy, though, that the elders and the board of advisors come together to share with expectancy the plans for JD's sabbatical. Today, we honor our leader. And friend, we say thank you for your service to Jesus, to his church, and we love you. Um, and it's not on the script, but I just want to say, for me, just looking at a leader who lives with obedience is really um, a call to my own life. So I want to say thank you to JD for that. And I just want to hand over to him as he takes us into this process for him and what will be for our church. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, you guys know me. I'm a crier, so it's, it's going to get weird. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to bring you guys in on kind of the process uh, that that God has had me on uh, to get me here. Um, this really kind of all became real to me uh, when we, with along, alongside all of the movements, all the leaders in the Antioch movement um, went to Rome to be together for a time of refreshment and just uh, praying for one another, getting re-envisioned and just really hearing God for what he's doing around the world and it's kind of every time we do that sort of thing, it's just, it's a blast. It's like a family reunion. And, you know, I've been a part of the Antioch movement since I was 18. Um, and so I've, you know, grown up with these guys. And, uh, and so it's always fun uh, to get to do those types of things and to be there. And the, the first morning, um, uh, everything kind of all started by us uh, watching a clip of a Chris Valentin teaching uh, that's called Give Me Your Ashes. And um, ultimately what this teaching is, is just shining a light on the fact that the past couple of years have been hard in the earth. And it doesn't matter what your vocation is. If you're an educator, a doctor, uh, a pastor, a real estate agent, a lawyer, uh, there's one word that would describe really the past three years that we've all been uh, in together, and that word would be loss. We've all lost something. We've lost friends. Um, some of us have lost loved ones. Um, some of us lost our faith. Uh, loss is just this echoing gong that's been so loud and alive in culture. And then you, you add on top of that this societal revolution that kind of kicked off where we became, as a culture, more divided than we've ever been and hostile towards one another. And those fights didn't just happen in the streets, man. They happened around kitchen tables. They happened with our roommates, with our families. And there was a season there where I think all of us felt like every conversation had the potential to be a really hard conversation. And it, it, everything just felt super tough. And the message that Chris was saying was like, hey, Bring Jesus all the ashes. 
bring him all the loss, all the disappointment, all the frustration, all the chaos, all of the, the fear of the unknown, the uncertainty, um, the broken friendships, the lost relationships. Like we've carried around the residue of the impact of those past three years. And specifically for myself, I'm a little bit of a lean forward type of a person. And I don't do well dealing with ashes. So I just kind of stick them in my pocket and then try to do something else. And uh, to say that that message hit me would be an understatement. It, it was like, if you've ever heard a sermon, it felt like a nuclear bomb went off into your soul. That's what happened to me. And uh, at the same time, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was so uh, torn up at all of the disappointment and loss that I was carrying. And I didn't even really know how to let it go. And um, we had a time of ministry at the end of the message, just like we do here. And a dear friend of mine, a spiritual father and uh, the prophetic leader in the Antioch movement, uh, a young, short, Scottish man named Joe Ewan. Some of you know him, um, and uh, he's a friend of our house and just, just an amazing guy. Um, he came up to me, and I, my eyes were closed. I was just sitting in my chair, and he grabbed my hands. And I immediately knew it was Joe because I only know one Scottish guy. So <laughs> when he started talking, I'm like, okay, it's Joe. And, you know, he just begins to pray for me and minister the heart of God to me. And it was beautiful time, beautiful time. And, uh, you know, Joe gets in these flows, you know, when he really starts hearing the Lord. And he's like, hey, J.D., it's time for you to take a sabbatical. Actually, he said, the Lord says, which we don't condone, but he's Joe, so we... We're like, hey, if you feel like God's saying something, go to him and be like, hey, I want to, you know, maybe if this resonates with you. Not Joe's like, and the Lord said, you know what I mean? It's like, but he's Joe. So you just nudge those who did. <laughs> if I'm just being really honest with you, right? People are like, I'm going on a sabbatical. I'm like, you wuss, dude. Like, why do you need a sabbatical? You know, like, what even is a sabbatical? What are we talking about here, you know? And uh, it was so funny because when he said that, you know, it's like when these super powerful moments in God, and I was weeping my eyes. I was like, hey, we're actually being obedient to what the Bible says and not having responsive sabbaticals. Sometimes sabbaticals are in response to somebody went too long, too hard. And so they're saying like, this is this, tough. But remember, the reason why the book of Leviticus exists is because it was written for the people of God to learn how to, and so he gives them the book of Leviticus to line out, and we sometimes can look at it in a 30,000 foot view and go, it's just a list of everything I should do and everything I shouldn't do. But if you really lean into the heart of God in it, he was giving them a how radical of an idea that was. When you farm to eat, okay, and now the living God is speaking to you and saying, hey, in the seventh year, you're not gonna farm, not. 
And the human soul is a lot like earthly soil, if we're honest, where we, we need moments where our soul can recover from not just the rhythm of our week, of a, sabbatic, of a Sabbath, where we stop and we have moments for God and with God, but he's putting into the rhythm of the entire earth how we are to function. And truth be told, transparency's sake, I'm like, dang it. Now it's like a policy. You know, it's like, I probably should do this. And so I like, I literally, I looked at Chris Otts, who's our executive pastor. I'm like, hey, look, dude, it's, I think I've been in ministry for like 18 years. I was like, dude, let's just push to 20 church. You know, it still feels like we're in a, like a lot of areas, the church feels like it's in a recovery mode from the past three years still. You know, there's just so much transition and we're just come to one campus and all of these things, you know, and I'm just like, this, it's now is not the time. I was like, I, I literally said, and I quote, in about two years, maybe I should do one of those sabbatical things. Then I go to Rome. Joe prays for me. And I'm like, when he said, hey, the Lord says go on a sabbatical, in my mind, because I just had that conversation, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it in about two years. <laughs> then the next day, Jimmy Seibert, who's the leader of the Antioch movement, another spiritual father to me personally, he was praying for me. And Joe comes up again in my soul. And he was like, and, the, and he wants you to know you can do it without fear. Um, and, and truthfully, if I went into every moment that happened over that seven days that we were in Rome, of people coming up to me, praying for me, talking about a new season and rest and everything, we'd be here all afternoon. God got so loud that I couldn't not hear him. We came back, I told Chris, hey dude, this is what happened, probably gonna need to take a sabbatical, and I still was just like, hey, you know, a lot of transition, let's just see what the church needs, and let's feel it out, and then a couple weeks later, our board of advisors comes into town, and they come every year, and for those of you guys who don't know our church governance structure, is that we're a senior pastor-led, elder-governed church. It means that the elders are leading us all and holding us to the truth of who God's called us to be, um, and we're driving this thing together, but we have a board of advisors that comes in agreement that you need to take a sabbatical. And I was like, what is happening, man? You know, like, I can't, I, I can't get away from this. Um, and, and so that being said, uh, it's at the point now where in my spirit, it legitimately feels like disobedience um, to not do this. Because God has been so clear and, and truthfully, as I've leaned into this, it's terrifying. Um, and I uh, love what I do. I love this church. I believe in it with every fiber of my being. And I love our team, and I love our volunteers, and I love our leaders. And the thought of not being the middle of what's happening here for a season is just like, I can't even understand it. But God really convicted me, and he said, hey, you, you have thought that it was resilience while you just kept going over the past 18 years. But really, it wasn't resilience, it was disobedience. 
God spoke and he said, hey, look, I put rhythms into the earth on how the people of God are to live and thrive. And it's fear that's making you think that you must grind like the world to see the fruit of the kingdom. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. And so with faith, (laughs) um, I'm trusting in the rhythm of heaven. And, you know, it's a passage of scripture that we've all heard that has gotten real to me in a fresh way, Psalms 23. And I was reading it actually just a couple of days ago, and I was like, wow. Since the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. This is big because, you know, a lot of times we feel like we're our own shepherd and therefore we have to provide everything. It's like the Lord is our shepherd. I lack nothing. And then he says, he makes me. And I was like, that's how I feel right now. I was like, he's making me lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Who's leading? He's leading. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. So who's the shepherd? He makes me. He leads me, he refreshes me, and he guides me. Sometimes the shepherd makes you do things that you don't want to do. I've never read the scripture this way, but it's like he makes me lie down in a green pasture. He's like, you're laying down right here, right now. (laughs) Why? Because I'm the shepherd. I don't feel like I need to lay down. I didn't ask you how you felt. I told you, lie down in the green pasture. Here's the deal. Jesus is in control of this church. And um, on the days where fear creeps in, when I've been thinking about this, just the thoughts of not being around, you know, um, missing church, missing all of you. I just keep coming back to, you know, I, ha- I have to be a man that lives by faith and not fear. No matter what, no matter what it is, no matter what God is calling us to, we're going to lean into that thing with faith and not fear. And... Um, I don't know what to expect, truthfully. A few of you guys have known, and some of you come up to me, and you're like, are you excited? I'm like, I don't know. I don't. Like, I, even I was, you guys know this, I substitute teach sometimes um, because I'm just a firm believer. If you don't like what's going on in school, get into the school. And so I interject myself into the chaos um, and my kid sometimes thinks I'm a little, Tate, I think, wanted me to be a little bit more of a cooler sub than I am, but I hold it down. I lock it down. I lock it down. 
but I was subbing in my I was subbing in I only sub in classes where I have my kids and so I'm in I'm doing a history class at the high school because I have Sophie and um, because I it's like what a cool way to connect with your kids see them in their element like it's amazing man it's so cool and terrify boys it's awesome you know, like, so, so I have words for it. It feels weird. So I don't know what to expect, but I am expectant. You hear me? I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going to be, but I'm expectant. The God's going to do something amazing. Here's the what this is, why this is, and how this is going to work. Because my big thing moving forward is we have the best team on the planet, our team and our pastors are the best in the world. And I was like, look, I'm only doing this if I know that they're going to be taken care of so that they can take care of the church, mostly because there's nothing more awkward than taking a stage on silence. So that was more for their sake than anything else. Drew Stedman, everybody. Hey, guys, it's so good to be with you. And uh, J.D., just such a privilege to stand on the stage with you and support what God on our ashes. We're talking about sabbatical. We're talking, um, as Lindsay shared, about revival. And you may not know this, but as an Antioch movement, tomorrow we're starting a time of fasting. You're ready. J.D. and I are going to get a burger afterwards. Store up. (laughs) Maybe we didn't want to. And there's times where I'm like, God, I, I wish I didn't feel these ways. I wish I had more energy. I wish I had, you know, we have these different things. And I think instead, maybe we could look and say, God, you gave me this body. You gave me the emotions. You gave me, like, you put me in community. God's not scared of our humanity. He's going to charge the next hill, but we need to make sure that people make it over the hill. And we need to do what it takes to care for pastors. We need to do what it takes to care for churches. We don't want to be people that use everybody up and then get to the end and find the next person, but instead, what does it look like for us to really care to do through my life? Now it's just, Lord, I want to look like you, and I want at the end to look more like you than I did at the beginning. And I think if we have pastors across the movement who that's their testimony, God's going to do so much rich stuff um, but it's ultimately the overflow of our transformation in him and onto it. Let's not run from it. Let's lean into it. But what's interesting to me is that at the same time that God is slowing us down, we're seeing the presence of God poured out across the church. And I was um, at a church in California a year ago, and they're saying, what do you see? What do you think God's doing right now? And if maybe we've come out of a season of pruning, do you know we live with the false equation that it's my strength plus God's strength equals revival? And that's actually not biblical at all. It's actually in our weakness that he's made strong. It's in our weakness. And, and, you know, these rhythms of sabbatical, these rhythms of just coming to God in our brokenness, in our vulnerability, then there's this, this place of just meeting him with his presence and his nearness. And that's why fasting, you know, isn't that what we're doing when we fast? We are forcibly making ourselves weak. It doesn't make any sense. It's like letting the field rest for a year. But that's what fasting, that's the rhythm that's taught is just embrace the fact that I've made you a person. Embrace the fact that you're weak and let my spirit rest upon you and bring you into life and health and peace. And I believe we're in a time of revival, but it's gotta be that spirit. It's gotta be the humility. It's gotta be the embracing our vulnerability, letting God do his work. And I think even as, but if you read the Psalm, you're gonna notice a shift where the psalmist stops talking about what he does and he starts talking about what you do. 
And as we embrace the path the shepherd has us on, what God does is he brings us into a place of intimacy where it goes from he to Advisors and someone who loves this church very dearly, but because I did just take an extended sabbatical and uh, really relate to all the emotions you just experienced and probably will experience. Um, got into ministry in Waco, Texas in 96 and, uh, and then found myself 25 years later in a similar moment to this, but I'm thankful you got a, probably a little bit more coaching than I got. It was like, go get them. <laughs> Don't fall in sin. We'll see us. It's always followed by a wave of guilt because we know it's a privilege at one level and you're not getting that. And it comes with, so I personally, my wife and I, we, we would feel shame and we'd be like, let's hope we don't see anybody from our church, honestly. He's like, yes? He's like, that is so awesome. And I like start crying in the Midway High School bathroom, like did not see that coming. And I go tell my wife and she's crying. And we just realized we were carrying such shame. And because we have this degree of shame that like we're getting this paid with. And I actually had to go find a, a Jewish rabbi to mentor me because I was like, you've been doing this and I haven't. I don't even know what this is all about. But in the spring of 2021, I was in a very odd emotional space. Um, um, I had taken a beating like everybody else. My mom had passed away. Another mother figure had passed away. I went into the spring break of 2020 and told my guys group, guys, I'm in a low place. Please pray for me. Actually, Drew's family hooked me up with some people that had a cabin in the woods they had not lit a fire in their chimney in a long time, and I did, and about burned the house down on the first day of my break. And then I got out. People were telling me, we're sensing more power in your sermons. Signs and wonders are following. But emotionally, I could tell I'm eroding, and something's not right with me. I bet some of y'all have felt that way. And I was like, well, Paul said, let death be worked in me, that life may be worked in them. I'll just keep doing this. And, uh, but I knew something wasn't right. I, I was crying at the drop of a hat. I've never said this out loud, but I'm going to say this because I only know a few of y'all. Um, but like date night is Monday night in our house. And we went to go see a movie called Dear Evan Hansen. Have y'all seen that? And it's about this reject high school kid. And then he starts singing this song. I'm ways not working. Plus I carry guilt because I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to help people through this. And yet something is wrong. Is wrong. And so... And, uh, and I was just scared. I'm a workhorse like you, J.D. I'm like, we power through. We persevere. And, uh, and then I'm being invited to sit still in silence, in solitude. And I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of blessing to it, a lot of family. Fantastic. And I didn't have words for it, but later I realized this was not about me being by myself. This was God trying to see if I could be with myself. Could I look under the hood? Well, we believe in instant breakthrough. But what we're talking about right now is actually none of those things. As one philosopher once said, above all, trust in the slow work of God. This is slow. <laughs> Thank you for tithing to this. And say, we surrender again. And we're not asking you, God, fix things. or We're asking, make us new. And we want to say, as a, as a board of advisors, we're not expecting y'all to come back with some great revelation. You don't have to come back. We wrote this new book. We don't have to come back with, now I've got six months of sermons. We want you just to go obey. 
and not work that field. And for the people that are sitting out there that are like, man, I, I need that kind of break too. I look forward to what's the field, this field, going to experience? What new rhythms are going to be put in place in this house? What, what is God going to do? We're not asking you to go get something. We're just saying obey and surrender, and we'll let God do the rest. Amen. You know, I just want to share for a few minutes. They just give so much clarity. There'll be a link to this so you can watch it again, or you can share it with people that weren't here. So I won't answer every question in this moment, but let me answer just a few. J.D., sabbatical is an obedient response to the rhythms that God has established. The opportunities. He's going to have time away, which means he won't be here. They'll be here. They'll be at church. They'll be at youth things. They'll be serving. Liz will still be running Unbound Now. And she'll continue to see the incredible things that's happening in it happen. She'll still be on our executive team. As JD's on sabbatical, Liz will still be here. The kids will still be here. They'll still be engaged. A couple other things that we want you to know about is you might be wondering, well, what about Sunday? Like, JD preaches most of the time. What about, what about Sundays? And, hey, aren't you grateful that we have an incredible pastor with an incredible gift to preach and to communicate? Every week, you know, there's rich messages that are coming out. You know, but he would be the first to tell you that our team has so much gifting in it. And so we're going to get to experience that as a church, the gifting that is in our team. Carl and Drew will be here. Carl will be here in just a couple weeks, and he'll be taking us into a series We'll get to hear from people like Ryan Walker, who preached a couple weeks ago, and it was an incredible message. Ryan will be preaching. And then other members of our team, Andrew, you, you might have to hear from me too on occasion as well, but you'll hear from different ones of our team. And it's going to be really rich, and we've been praying into what God wants to say, and we are so excited about what we're going to be teaching on in this next season. It's going to be really, really wonderful. But lastly, I want to hit on what about you? How do you support J.D. right now? How do you come around him? You know, first of all, is I want to ask each of us just to commit to, if you aren't already, commit to praying for him daily. To pray for him. Pray that God would meet him in this window. Pray that God would, would do something rich within him. Pray that God would give him everything he needs. Just put a reminder on your phone to pray for Pastor J.D. each day. And when sabbatical ends... Don't take that reminder away. Keep praying for him. What will happen as you pray for him is God will speak to you. And God will give you words of encouragement for him. What I want to encourage you to do is send those to me. JD's one of my best friends. I'm going to keep talking to him. We're not going to talk about work, but we're going to talk. We're going to hang out. And so if there's things that come up that feel like God's speaking, share them with me. And I'll be happy to share them with him so that he can be encouraged by what God is doing. You know, more than anything, we want to take a moment now just to pray for him. We're going to invite our elders and, and our board to, to pray for, for J.D. and for, for Liz. And so let's do it down front. 
Why don't you guys stand up? Stand up with us. We're going we're gonna to take a moment to pray. And as we pray for him, why don't you just extend a hand and just begin to pray over JD. Our, our team's going to take us into worship after that, but let's just pray. What would you want prayed for you is always the encouragement that I give. If you were stepping into this season, what would you ask people to pray for you? And just begin to pray that out over him as we close up our service.